Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi and welcome to Freedom of Species, where a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Uh, before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan. Uh, make sure you check that show out every 12 to 1 every Sunday here on 3CR for all things pansexual. And I am Nick today. I'm just going to be announcing the music, but I'm going to ha- pass it over to Harley uh, to yeah present this week's show. Hello and welcome to Freedom of Species. Um, I'm Harley, um, the you know, occasional UK correspondent for this show. Um, very happy to be here again. Um, I'm very happy as well to be joined by my guest today, um, a good friend of mine um, and an activist for animals and all range of things, also based in the UK. Um, so thanks so much for joining me, Jax. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Um, and yeah, today we'll be talking about Many different things, um, as usual, with my segments, um, but we're touching about different kinds of activism that kind of go on in the UK, what it looks like, and also that question of what happens after you take direct action and what it looks like to kind of go through the court system, um, which is something that Jax has been through quite recently. Um, So to start off with, Jax, I'd love if you could kind of just talk a bit about what your background is and how you ended up, you know, taking direct action for animals um, and what your kind of journey was to get to this point. Um, yeah, cool. I, well, it started quite a long time ago um, <laughs> and I was really young. I guess the, the first kind of standout memory that I, I have um, <clears throat> was one once I was kind of just under 10 um, and my grandmother took me to the local butchers in South Africa which is where I'm from um, and it was a pretty regular kind of weekly thing that we would do uh, that she would come and pick me up and I'd go and do a whole bunch of errands with her um, and we went we went to the butchers and I had this like totally different experience on this day, which was that I realized that like this wasn't food, Mm. you know, like these were individuals. And I remember feeling like completely freaked out by that. Um, And I think that was really like the start of when my thinking began to shift around, um, individuals and like sentience and starting to like question these kinds of things um and of course being really young no one had (laughs) the right answers for me (laughs) um so uh it kind of was um a journey that i started yeah like exploring different types of um thinking and uh, i first began to uh, have like a vegetarian diet and later on um change that to being to being vegan um but i think just learning about where our food came from and also having grown up in uh, the kind of society where there there are so many people suffering due mm. to poverty um and the disparity of um income it it like it didn't even feel like unnatural for me to think about these you know, the, the animals that are suffering in very similar ways to, to people, um, although different circumstances, it, it didn't seem like unnatural for me to like draw parallels and for it to 
you know, feel really close to my heart. So I, I think that that was like the the first kind of step, and and it gets to a point, I guess, where you can only sign so many petitions, <laughs> and you're like, why is this? Like, why isn't this helping? Like, why are things not changing? Um, and there's only so many family meals you can sit through where you're like, well, why is no one hearing me when, you know, I'm like saying these are individuals mm. that are capable of loving and caring and making choices and having friends and families and relationships. Like, why is, why is no one listening? Um, and I guess when that happened, that was kind of when I decided to get more active um, and start taking direct action. Amazing. It's so interesting because as someone, like personally, I, I guess, came to animal rights and animal justice uh, later on in life, like I was um, 18, 19. Um, so I always find it so interesting to hear about people who, I guess, made that connection earlier on. Um, and I'm always really curious about like how, yeah, like what it's like to kind of, because I know there's some people and I really admire who draw a lot of parallels between like, you know, the exploitation and the disenfranchisement of animals and that of children. I think it's, is really interesting when is it, you know, there's these voices of young people who really do often like make those connections, but they're not listened to. Um, so yeah, I find that really interesting. Um, so I'm curious because I feel like in the UK, maybe this is your experience as well, Australia and South Africa, like we, we kind of like just lumped together as like one other place. Um, and I feel like, well, you know, it's kind of like we're cousins in some way. Um, but I actually don't know that much about South Africa. So I'm really curious about like what your experience was like taking action for animals in South Africa and what kind of activism, like the activism landscape looks like. Um, and how that's, I guess, different was then, like, now you're in the UK. Um, I can, I can totally agree about the, the South Africa, Australia, um, situation. It's like, I think it also has to do with the confusing accents. <laughs> apparently, you know, we sound really similar yeah. uh, to everyone in the UK, although I don't hear it. <laughs> um, and it's also, um, I guess that, that we, we will always share the connection of, um, love for the ocean and warm weather mm. and sunny skies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, in South Africa, things are obviously really, really different, um, just because of how society has developed in different ways. Um, obviously there's a whole bunch of, political stuff attached to that um but i guess in in south africa because there's so many um people who are living below the bread line and are really like not even living month to month um month to month is a good situation mm. it's like living day to day and these are families who are living in like informal settlements sometimes um or perhaps like in parts of the country that are not big cities, um, mm. there's still a really embedded um, animal agriculture element. Um, and it's it's not like here where there's like this huge presence of factory farming with like, mm. you know, so many people to feed like packaged, you know, animal goods to. It's, it's very different. Like you'll see loads of informal settlements where people will have chickens and goats and cows in their garden. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, I, I guess because of, um, how difficult life is, um, we, as South Africans, like we haven't been able to really like shift that narrative and like get out of that, um, that way of, of living yet. Um, I am hopeful that it will happen, but I guess a lot of other things, um, need to, need to change to, enable people to um, have access to um, other, other foods um, and because of that combined with um, the really high crime rates the activism or animal rights specifically landscape is completely different um, there's a lot of kind of similar things to what we have here like marches mm. and protests um, 
but the the risk of not only being arrested um, because if if you're arrested, I'm, I'm yeah, it's a very scary situation. I guess what happens after that because I think the the, the holding cells in some ways are more dangerous than the worst right, part yeah. of the street, um, but also the risk of individuals who own properties taking the law into their own hands, um, you know, over uh, like trespass or mm. um, any kind of like criminal damage or breaking in or whatever it is, um, you know, like it, it kind of really limits what people are willing to do because of the safety element. Um, and here I think there's a, there's a lot more um, there's a lot more freedom in that sense, sure. you know, um, which kind of changes the whole the whole um, way everything functions together in animal rights. And, um, in South Africa, it's also a much smaller community than in the UK, um, and I attribute that again to uh, the the disparity of income and the living standards that people have access to, mm. um, and it's. I think it is growing, though, in South Africa. Um, it's just a, a completely different way of, of um, approaching it that's required, I guess. And I think once we once we make changes and, and achieve the change that we so desperately need here, um, countries like South Africa, you know, will kind of be more open mm. to that and would be able to follow suit quicker. For sure, yeah. It must have been kind of a nice, <laughs> I say nice, with quotation marks, you know, when you get arrested in the UK and, you know, you get pyjamas and hot food and toothbrushes. <laughs> it sounds like it might have been a bit different um, of an experience. Um, something that struck me is when you were talking, like, earlier um, about, yeah, I guess, like, the the kind of like how obvious and um, apparent like the social issues are in South Africa. Like it sounds like it's, there's a lot, it was a lot easier for people, or maybe not easier, but it seems like it's a lot more natural for people to make the connection maybe between like animal rights and human rights and all that. Um, and I know we've talked on the show before about, you know, intersectionality um, and how animal rights can kind of be part of this like, more um yeah like a connected movement for like justice and I'm really curious like what your experience has been kind of coming from South Africa and coming to the UK and if you've noticed differences in the movement in that way absolutely um I think South Africa is um kind of very insular in the sense of in the sense of there's, because of the social issues, there's not the freedom to be in the streets like there is here and meet, you know, all different kinds of people with all different um, experiences. And, and I think, yeah, yeah, it's like you have this, this like incredible opportunity. At least, like, I felt like this has been such an amazing opportunity to hear these totally diverse perspectives and stories and experiences around around um, the conversation of animal rights and animal justice and social justice and um, meeting people from all different countries who some of them have totally similar like it's almost like mm. they're talking about what I call what I call my home you know when when they tell me stories about totally different places um, and I, yeah I find, I find that very valuable and very interesting because it like draws these these like similarities that we all have um, and I think in, in like taking it back to South Africa um, it must exist right like we must have those those same mm. kind of similarities but the the conversation is just like not happening and it's just not there yet and um in some circles I guess it is and I think in animal rights like it 
these conversations are happening, but it's so um, contained at the mm. moment. And I think, yeah, because of the social situation, um, it's like really, you know, uh, has like kind of prevented the movement from growing um, to basically that, that it could. And I guess additionally, it's much easier to focus and I guess in some ways a, a lot more appealing, um, especially for, for tangible wins, for people to focus on like political change and political issues um, when taking direct action as opposed to animal rights, um, because it feels so much further away. For sure. Um, I feel like that's a good point to break for a song. Um, so let's go to a song now and we'll be back in a minute. And the first song we're going to play today is The Eco Terrorist in Me by Rise Against. organization dedicated to equality and justice for multi-gender attracted people including bi pan regardless of label or no label at all their partners and allies bisexual alliance runs discussion groups in person and online the group offers a safe and fun space to share your experiences ask any questions regarding your sexual identity and provide peer support Bisexual Alliance is especially keen to hear from multi-gender attracted people in regional and rural Victoria. Donations of $2 or more to Bisexual Alliance are now tax deductible. For more information, visit our website at bi-alliance.org, email info at bi-alliance.org or find us on Facebook or Twitter. A 3CR supporter. Hello and welcome back to Freedom of Species. My name is Harley, I'm your host today. Um, and I am speaking to my good friend, um, Jax. We've been talking about taking direct action for animals. We've been talking about South Africa and the UK, um, two contexts where Jax has been, you know, involved with the animal rights movement. Um, and we were just talking about, yeah, the differences between the two, um, and how, how kind of the access to different perspectives and also the kind of, I guess, the privilege 
to be able to, you know, be thinking about issues more than just, you know, where am I going to, what am I going to eat today and things like that kind of allow for this like expansiveness of action. Um, so we've talked a bit about, yeah, your background, how you came into this. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about activism in the UK now, because I know you're involved in like a lot of different things. And this is actually one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. I feel like sometimes we get, you know, caught up in these conversations about like, oh, what's the most effective tactic? What should we be doing? What should we not be doing? And one of the things I always admire about you is how much different things you'll kind of be doing. And I find it really interesting. Um, so not to make you blush. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about like the, some of the different things you're involved with in the UK um, and what drew you to them. Um. Sure. So I guess um, I, yeah, I do quite a few different things. Um, I, I suppose the the two that I'm most um, involved in, um, well, the two organisations I'm most involved in are Animal Rebellion and um, the Hand Saboteurs Association, which is um, kind of taking direct action against illegal fox hunting in in the UK. Um, actually. I recently saw that Melbourne has their um, own hunt-sumters group. Uh, I think it's the first one in Australia, but I was really excited to see that. Obviously not excited to know that there's illegal hunting going on, but um, it's cool to see that stabs are, are over there as well. Awesome. Um, and, yeah, I think, like, for those of you who don't know, for those of like, the people listening who don't know, would you be able to explain, like, a little bit about, like, what the hunt sabs do yeah sure so um the hunt saboteurs association started quite a few years ago when um fox hunting was still legal in the uk uh it's a 500 year old tradition where mostly men i'm yet to see a female huntsman um, hence woman, hence person, even the name hunting uh, needs an update. Well, it just makes me um, think of the yeah. spider, so I feel like that's a, it's a, it's a bad rep for the spider. For sure. Um, yeah, so, so, uh, essentially these, these, um, people go out together on, on horseback. Um, the, the huntsman will be wearing, uh, a very old fashioned red or navy, um, or like, army green colored coat um yeah sitting on sitting on horseback and um they hunt with um with hounds so it's a pack of dogs that uh, usually the huntsman um breeds at their their kennels or the hunt's kennels and um basically yeah they will go out into the countryside and put the the hounds um like into hedgerows or uh, different kind of like brooks or whatever it is, any area likely to contain foxes and stabs then follow them and pretty much uh, we use our bodies um, if it's a, like close kind of contact or else um, horn calls, voice calls, um, all kinds of different tactics to get uh, to get the, the hounds off off the scent of um other fox that they might be on to um, or distract them to prevent them from picking up on, on the scent. Um, and occasionally we also um, will sabotage like hair coursing, which is the hunting of hairs. Um, there's also some um, like so, so a whole bunch of different kinds um, of hands that go out here. So yeah, pretty much any, um, any opportunity we have to ruin um, a hunt's chance of killing for fun, we will say. Amazing. Um, I find, like, you know, I think the hunt side is so amazing because it really is, like, if you look back, like, one of, I guess, the earliest forms of kind of, like, direct animal rights activism, and it's kind of, like, paved the way for so many other forms of activism, a lot of, like, which started in the UK and has, like, like yeah, moved across the world. Um and I'm curious about, like, because it sounds, you know, so intense, so physical. Um, and, like, I'm curious about what drew you to the hunt and what drew you to that form of action. 
like putting your yeah, body in the line and things like that? Um, it is quite physical, especially in the UK, because the hunting season is like from late August. Well, it starts kind of starts up around late August and goes until March, and that's also the rainy time in the UK <laughs> and the cold time. <laughs> so you land up kind of like covering like fifteen or twenty miles, and you're like running through farmlands while it's raining and. Um, and yeah, it, it is quite physically demanding. Um, but I guess, I guess what drew me to it is, is that I sometimes can, like, I sometimes feel a little bit, um, like what I do, you know, isn't achieving enough. Um, and I think it's easy to get caught in, in that trap. Um, you know, like when, when you're taking direct action and trying to, like, dismantle something that has existed in society for the longest time. Mm. It's really difficult, especially sometimes when you're, like, when you're doing outreach, even, like, and you have a conversation with somebody who's just so, like, not not ready to, you know, engage in any meaningful way. And, I guess like I was, I was when when I chose to get involved in in hand sabotage, I was feeling a little bit like that, and I was like, I felt like I needed to like find a healthy way to like get this like frustration and like disappointment and like yeah, I was like feeling really um, just kind of like down about like how long things are taking, um, especially coming from South Africa, like there's this perception. I don't know if it's like this in Australia, but I mean, but there's this perception of like, oh, the UK is like where it's at, mm. you know, and like things are like things are happening, and and yeah, I guess like spend after spending some time here and, and seeing that it's it's yeah, it's the conversation has developed a little further than in South Africa, but we still aren't, you know, like at the stage where like. Ma- massive and major legislation changes are taking place, you know, to to protect animals um, in the way that we need. And and I thought, well, you know, it's like, what's a healthy way of <laughs> expressing like yeah. all of this like built up emotion? And I was like, yeah, like chasing after, you know, somebody who's trying to <laughs> hunt an innocent fox sounds like a great way of doing it. Um, <laughs> And it really has been great. <laughs> I really, yeah, I, I totally, I think, relate to that. And I know we've talked about this before, of that, just that feeling of, like, you know, obviously all different kinds of activism are so necessary. But then when you're kind of, like, working so hard and not seeing any change, like, that feeling of, like, directly intervening and saving someone's life, like, there's nothing, nothing like that. Um, and I feel like, like, I feel like Hunt Sabs always genuinely have, like, the best stories. Um, so I want to ask, like, is there a, a time or memory that sticks out in your mind as being like, yeah, this is why I do it, or just something that kind of like stands out to you? Um, yeah, actually, I was thinking about this and talking to some other Sabs recently about this, and we were like looking at, like, thinking like, what was what were some of our favorite our favorite experiences of like. I feel like everyone has this moment in whatever it is that that you do, like when you either feel like this isn't for me or this is why I do this. Mm. And I guess yeah, there was there was one there was one day which gave me that this is why I do this. Um, and it was we were like driving for so long looking for the hunt, and it was such a small hunt, and it was so difficult to see and. Um, sometimes we use drones and things like that to locate them and we were in like a no-fly zone so we couldn't use our drone to find them. We were just driving and driving and like kind of starting to like think, well, maybe maybe we're not going to find them today. And we were all like we were sitting in the car and we were all getting like, you know, heads out the window, like <laughs> trying like squinting our eyes, trying to see like a little red dot <laughs> moving on the horizon. And out of absolutely nowhere, about 
five meters away from us, just next to the side of the road, we suddenly saw a fox break out of a hedge and literally like less than like a centimeter behind the fox was the first hound. Oh my God. And it was like this mad rush of like spotted it, literally like launched out of the vehicle, um, started like using voice calls, got like in between like, as like the vehicle and and uh, where the chase was happening. Which, thank goodness it was so close because mm. I think if it was any further away, we probably wouldn't have made it. Um, and we had um, like citronella to like try and cover the scent, and it was just such a mad rush. And by some miracle, because I I still don't think it should have been like physically possible, like in the way the world works, like but we managed to get the hounds off the fox and the fox like managed to get away and in that like in that moment knowing how exhausted that fox must have been from from the chase and how close behind the hounds were that that fox made it mm-hmm. and was able to like get to safety and that no kills were made after that that whole day like that was kind of like the moment for me when I was like, yes, like every single run through mud, every single, you know, night that I get home super tired and cold and like, it doesn't matter because I, knowing that this fox was able to get back to its den and be safe, like that's all that matters. Mm. Like knowing that like no human was able to use animal abuse as a tool to take away another animal's life, like knowing that that was stopped was, yeah, the absolute best feeling. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like, I feel like we talk so much in this movement about, yeah, strategy and tactics and it's all so important, but ultimately like we're doing it to save lives and like that feeling of, this individual lived because of my action. Like, I think that's just incredible. And yeah, um, I'm going to go to another song, um, give us all time to dry our eyes. Um, and we'll be back really shortly to continue talking to Jax about direct action um, and taking action for animals. So back in a minute. And the song that we're going to play here is the Huntsman Comes A-Marching, a live version of this song by Frank Turner. And I do have to mention this song does contain a little bit of swearing. I I did also want to say that, uh, yeah, the song sort of talks about police brutality against people doing hunting. And, yeah, I certainly am not a fan of police brutality, even if it is a group I'm not on board with. I'm thinking recently in Melbourne with the brutality against the anti-vax protests. I'm not on board with the uh, message, but also not on board with police brutality. Uh, But having said that, I definitely appreciate the anti-hent anti-hunting sentiment in this song and I thought it was very relevant particularly because it it deals specifically with hunting in the UK it's covers o'clock I'm going to play a cover now Uh, so hands up if you are familiar with the work of Chris TT there was more volume than hands there anyway if you're not you should go and check him out even before you buy my record go and check out Nine Red Songs by Chris TT I grew up in the countryside hands up if you grew up in the countryside this song's immensely important to me as a result. This song's called When the Huntsman Comes a Marching. Does that this. The countryside is dying. The closing village stores. While shepherds watch their flocks by night, the government burn them all. Here's another post office with boards across the door Now the rich folks from the city came to breathe the cleaner air They listened to the archers buy new coats and grow their hair And then they buy up all the houses So country people born and bred can't afford to live there 
Now the Countryside Alliance, let's call them the cunts for short. They promised in defiance that a battle would be fought. And then they ignored the real issues and just shout about their bloody sports. And you can call it a betrayal, well it looks like that to me. And you can call it bad behaviour or a waste of time and money. And I've never been in favour of police brutality. But when the huntsman comes a-marching, yeah, give him one from me. Officer, give him one from me. So now the cunts have come to London. To show us all what for There were only 20,000 of them Marching down through Whitehall But they were such a bunch of thugs That the police arrested more Than when two million normal people Marched against the war And you can call it a betrayal Well it looks like that to me call it bad behaviour Or a waste of time and money And I've never been in favour of police brutality but when the huntsman comes a marching yeah give him one from me officer give him one from me and where were you when the miners fought to save their livelihoods you were dressed up in red velvet somewhere deep in the woods and you loved the fucking poltax and you propped up Maggie Thatcher and you didn't give a fuck about Tony Blair until he threw your hobby back at you. Now the countryside is dying. Some say it's already dead. And the huntsman's got a boner as the dogs rip the fox to shreds. And then he smears the blood on his daughter's face. And he drags her back to bed. Call it a betrayal, but it looks like that to me. Call it bad behavior or a waste of time and money. And I've never been in favor of police brutality. But when the huntsman comes a marching, yeah, give him one from me. Officer, give him one from me. Do you have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home? Well, drop them in at 3CR and put them in the Books and Boots bin. Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country. Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au We love a good book. Hi, we're the Marindas and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. Hello, welcome back to Freedom of Species. Um, My name's Harley. Um, I've been chatting to Jax and we've been talking about hunt stabbing in the UK. We've been talking about the difference of activism in South Africa and the United Kingdom um, and just about to dive into some, I guess, another topic, which I feel like doesn't get spoken about as much as it should. And this is kind of what happens after you take direct action, because so far we've been talking about, yeah, hunt stabbing, um, marches, rallies and things like that. But I know that you also take action with Animal Rebellion. um, And for those of you who don't know, Animal Rebellion is the group that I've been working with for the past two and a half years, um, had some amazing experiences with and we're a climate and animal justice group based in the United Kingdom. And I think, I guess something that's maybe a bit different about the action that is involved with animal rebellion is that while it's, you know, on the other side of the law, let's say, just like, you know, some of the things that Hunsaving does, the, the difference is, is you, you get caught, um, intentionally caught, and then you have to deal with charges, court, um, and all that fun stuff. So I know, Jax, you've had your day in court recently. Um, so I wanted to kind of finish off this this chat by talking a little bit about what happens after you take action. Um, so just to start with, 
Would you be able to kind of talk a little bit about the, the stuff that you've done with Animal Rebellion and how that's kind of led to the, the court proceedings? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess um, I'll try and explain uh, the action, yeah, which took me to the courtroom um, <laughs> first. And um, yeah, so last year in 2021, um, I think it was the 31st of August, um, definitely the end of August, uh, we blockaded and occupied Arla Dairy, which is um, the largest dairy um, kind of supplier and manufacturer and processor in the UK. It supplies 10% of the UK's dairy. Um, and where we blockaded was their distribution and processing plant, um, which is just outside of London in um, a town, I guess it's a town, uh, called Aylesbury. Um, and, yeah, essentially we got there really early in the morning still dark and we uh, a whole bunch of us had um, decided to yeah kind of like blockade um, the roundabouts in the entrance uh, using um, beacons and a Luton van and some like concrete blocks um, and yeah that day uh, we locked on to um, like different yeah our different um, structures uh, and we were there for the day um, and eventually um, the the police removed us and managed to cut us out um, and yeah uh, then that took me to the courtroom. <laughs> I think this is one of my favourite actions Animal Rebellion has ever done and the main reason is because it should Technically, I feel like should not have happened. Um, so for a bit of context, this was during, some of you may know Extinction Rebellion, how they do rebellions, um, so these big kind of de- multiple days of action. Um, this was one of the final days, and in the lead-up to this action, we'd had people's houses raided um, and, like, people organising the action arrested in the early hours of the morning. We'd had all of our equipment seized about, I think it was three times by the end of things, including in like a raid of a place where we were building Jack's mentioned beacons, which are the gigantic bamboo structures. Um, we had police raid that location, which was a good day out, I can tell you that. Um, and we'd had multiple people who were yeah, kind of key in the planning, including myself, I might say, um, arrested right before the action. So the fact that it kind of went ahead is just like such a, a testament to the dedication and grit of the people involved to kind of kind of keep going. And, yeah, we managed to pull off this action and shut this place down. Um, so you were involved. Um, what were you doing as part of the action? Don't mind. Um, so I um, had locked on to the van, which was pretty much parked across um, the main kind of gate, like in front of where the main gate is, um, where I don't even know what to call these vehicles still. Um, I still don't have an answer even after the trial. Um, it looks kind of like a petrol tanker, but it's just filled with raw milk. It's like, I don't know what to call that. Like milk a, tanker, maybe? A milk tanker. I don't, it's, yeah, definitely something that should never exist. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like it, it was basically kind of blocking the entrance for those sorts of vehicles. Um, and yeah, the, the, the action, this is the action that could, you know, the little action that could. (laughs) Amazing. So you were locked on, you were arrested, um, and you were charged. And then this is the part that I feel, yeah, often doesn't get talked about, um, what happened, like, after the action, when you were charged? Like, what happens kind of after? Like, how does it come about that you end up in court? And what were the court kind of proceedings like for you? So I guess the first thing, like, that I'd like to say before even getting into the details is that getting arrested um, is extremely stressful. Um, it's not like 
an enjoyable experience and although we I think can get to the point where we can look back on these experiences and have a chuckle about you know what what happened and um, the fact that in Aylesbury there's heating um, in, in, the, in the cells which is great I mean we, you know we'd never get that in London um, but you know it's, it's like it's a very it's a very kind of serious um, thing to go through mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's very stressful um, and this whole process was was quite stressful to be honest uh, I, I think it was it's unusual that these things happen so quickly as well mm-hmm. um, and this situation I guess was yeah I don't think anyone was expecting things to play out this quickly and have a trial um, so soon in, in a few months after the action mm. but um, yeah I think that kind of like added to to the stress a little bit uh, but yeah it was I guess it was weird to be honest um, because I didn't really know what to expect so yeah got charged with um, two charges I got charged with aggravated trespass and obstruction of the highway, um, which is weird already because they're, they're like mutually exclusive. Like if you're doing one, you can't be doing the other one at the same time. So um, that was already a little bit strange. Um, but the lawyers that um, I was working with were really, really helpful um, and, and it was my first experience with them was um, at a previous arrest where they they called me at 2 a.m. And I knew, like, they must have some kind of, like, personal interest, like, vested interest mm-hmm. in what we're doing and how important it is to stay awake until 2 a.m., you know, to, like, yeah. phone you, like to phone me, somebody they didn't even know in, in, a, in a, a police holding cell. Um, and that level of support I felt it like throughout the whole the whole trial um and they basically so basically yeah I guess it's different if you if you choose to self-represent um and not have lawyers but pretty much it's like a whole bunch of paperwork that just randomly arrives at your house (laughs) telling you what to do um and if you have lawyers then you just ask them what does this mean (laughs) and they tell you generally it means don't go back to the place where you were arrested um, because you will break your bail conditions and show up at court. <laughs> um, mm. So, yeah, there was there was a, a court hearing first and after the hearing, then a trial date was set. Um, the trial started um, recently on the 31st of March uh, and... I really had no idea what to expect going into it. Um, I had this super bizarre dream the night before the trial started of like all these people with like um, animal rebellion flags and like the judge um, had like an animal rebellion shirt on <laughs> and his judge clothes. Um, but that didn't, that didn't happen in real life. And yeah, it was, it was pretty formal. Um, the the Crown Prosecution Services like set out their arguments and they um, had an opportunity to call on witnesses and basically like had all the video footage that was recorded on the day um, and played that in the court and um, then the defense which was me had the opportunity to kind of say my case and um my lawyers did that for me. And um, then the judge gets to decide what they think is the correct course of action. Mm. And what was the outcome of the trial? So um, we were acquitted, which means we were found not guilty for aggravated trespass, which is eventually, turns out, what we were actually <laughs> charged with. Um, <laughs> and I guess it was, for me, it was... Um, I was really happy about that, although it was very stressful, like I said, being able to talk about um, these issues 
on an institutional level like that and having the opportunity to speak to to um, the court about these things and about um, and like animal sentience and animal rights and animal justice um, as well as climate justice um, that opportunity for for me is that that was what it was all about mm. um, and seeing at the end of the trial that we got through to to the judge it was it was also it was great because even if this whole stressful process means that one person thinks differently before they pour somebody else's breast milk over their cereal. It's a win. Sure. And that kind of, I guess, leads me into the last question I want to ask, which, you know, I think a lot of people are put off direct action, especially the kind of direct action that's, you know, um, yeah, locking on, causing disruption, where you risk arrest. I mean, obviously, like, getting arrested and being arrested, like you said, is an incredibly stressful experience. It can be. It's also only really available to certain people. Um, and it's such a, I guess, like, a privilege to be able to risk arrest. But I'm really curious about, like, I feel like, is it worth it, would you say? Like, with the whole the court proceedings, everything that follows, do you still, would you take action in that way again? Absolutely. Um, We're at the point where it's no longer, for me, it's no longer about the choice of do I want to do this or don't I want to do this. It's never been about that. Mm. Um, Of course, I I don't want to do any of this. Um, I want justice. You know, and I, I want a fair world for everyone. And for me, it's, yeah, it's at the point now where it's not a choice. It's my responsibility and an obligation that I feel because I know that if I was on the other end of that, if I was on the receiving end of the treatment, the abuse, the mass murder that mm-hmm. goes on, that all of these non-human animals experience, I would want somebody to be fighting for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you've said it all, really. Um, that brings us almost to the end of time. Um, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this, which, you know, I think we've done many times. Um, so I'm so glad that other people will now get the chance to be inspired by you. Um, are there any kind of final words that you have, um, any bits of advice for people who might be at the start of their, you know, direct action journey or people who need that little bit of extra knowledge or encouragement to kind of take that step? Um, I feel like that's a big question. I <laughs> the wrong thing. Um, but, yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, just, like, three things, I guess. Like, number one, don't be afraid of looking for the truth even when it sucks. Number two, um, be radical always um, because we're at the point where we need radical action to deal with the harrowing situation that we're in. Um, And number three, like, yeah, just throw yourself into the community because it is the best community to be a part of and even though we are constantly confronted with so many horrific things and the atrocities are just ongoing, the love that is felt in this community is greater than the combination of any of any of that suffering. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Um, and, yeah, I know I'm ready to go out and, you know, do some stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm so, so glad that other people will be able to listen to this and yeah, hopefully be inspired. Um, and yeah, I think this fight, this struggle, um, for animal justice, for justice for all, I think it's something that really does need all of us. Um, and yeah, I'm so grateful for everything that you do. So grateful to get to take action beside you. Um, I'm so glad that hopefully other people will kind of feel that fire and direct it into action 
for animals, for our planet, for all life. Um, so thanks so much for joining me, Jax. Thank you for having me. Amazing. And tune in next week for more inspiration and stories of resistance and struggle. And I did want to add in at the end here that there won't actually be Freedom of Species next week, but definitely tune in for some uh, inspirational stuff around workers' rights. So we're going to take a week off to make way for a May Day special um, day celebrating workers' rights. So next Sunday, the 1st of May, uh, there's going to be a live cross to the 2022 Melbourne May Day rally from 1pm. So yeah, tune in uh, at 1pm like you usually do for our show, but it will be for the May Day Rally next Sunday. And so we'll be back in two weeks with more Freedom of Species. And yeah, um, if you do have any feedback on the show, you can email us freedomofspecies at gmail.com. You can also contact us on social media. And yeah, make sure you stay tuned for Rotations. That's the next show. Uh, And definitely stay tuned to 3CR in general. Lots of great shows. Uh, One I've really enjoyed recently is Acting Up, which which has covered the um, Rojava revolution late last year. Sort of radically democratic um, processes going on there um, in amongst... uh, yeah, attacks from ISIS and and lots of other things going on. So you can check out all those shows as as a whole as a whole series. It's at three crorgau forward slash acting up, and you can check out. I think it's about a ten part series on that revolution going on there. Uh, we're going to finish up with the song Extremist by Soul and DJ Payne One. Uh, once again, I do have mentioned a little bit of swearing in this song. And yeah, this song is more about anti-Trump protests and anarchism rather than animal rights. But um, yeah, Soul is definitely someone who's really supportive of animal rights. Um, and also I think we can perhaps link this to direct action in, in terms of often it is labelled as, as extreme. But as in this discussion was pointed out, once we know about these issues, it might not seem quite as extreme. They say I'm an extremist because the place more vacuum on the form of life. This is my home, not a motherfucking resource They say I'm an extremist My grandfather went to France to fight the Nazis And we're supposed to sit around for four years Well, there was a Nazi in the Oval Office Nah They said bend the knee I say my back is sore They told me get a job I already got four They tell me I'm white But I wasn't before Bacon's rebellion Pit us against one another But hey Nothing sacred Not even the economy We think cash rules It's all ideology I mean Michigan Drinking water still toxic But castaways 3% Killers still walking We spent 700 bucks a month On health insurance But when we had a kid It's 10 G's out the pocket And that's some real WTF Real talk Two years later We still paying that off But hey I own some land Ain't got no college debt That's more than I can say Than a lot of folks I've met But we split hairs They go split atoms Where I stand like Years to the left of Rachel Maddow Anarchists like Orwell Communists are no committee We defend our neighborhoods They bomb cities On J20 Some windows got smashed Cops got what they had coming Mass arrested everyone And tried to give them life in prison from the comfort of your limo, you called them extremists. But we're living in a nightmare. Sometimes it feels they're the only ones dreaming. I'd rather hug a tree than a motherfucking cop. Place more faith in a seed than a motherfucking bank. We don't need economy, which you say is sacrosanct. Bitch, more value in a data set than a human life. Don't compare us with the white supremacists who shoot schools. Cause when the hurricane hits, we'll be there with some food. And when you go and strike, we'll be there standing with you. And if you never see the light, we'll be making candles too. Oh, this, that shit that got MLK killed. Not the MLK they taught you in the public schools. They call him. I'm an outside agitator too Of course we're outside as you hide behind your walls It was a brutal world you installed Like a CIA coup built on a hill of lies So that lie became true And it's all we ever knew, can't see past it Everything you stole, your grandchildren inherited Welcome to America, we'll make it out alive Another brick in the pyramid as part of you die Don't accept this as your life Father taught it was a shame Died alone in a trailer with no penny to his name It's indentured servitude no one should believe in this And as we speak 
Millionaires are buying up streams and lakes in New Zealand Building doomsday bunkers What about the rest of us who can't afford to leave this mess that you made? So if resisting this makes me an extremist Then that word is utterly meaningless You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.